Good morning. Good morning. Well, yeah, you've all put on some weight. I can tell. <laughs> Isn't that supposed to happen this time of year? Yes, it is. Well, you're all looking pretty good, though. That's all I can say. Thanks for being here this morning. And uh, I guess we'd have to pick the coldest day of the year to come to church, didn't we? But that's okay. It's all right. Appreciate it. Thoroughly enjoy being with family and doing things like that. Am I coming through? Okay. <clears throat> Today I want to talk to you about a question. Am I a child of God or a child of Satan? There are many questions to be concerned about, but this one I believe is the most important. Let's look to God in prayer at this time. Father, open our hearts today and our minds and help us to be honest with ourselves, with you, and those around us, those who know us, in, in, in asking and answering this question, am I one of your children? Thank you for each one who's been here, who is here today, effort they have made. I appreciate that, and I know you, you do too, God. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I a child of God or a child of Satan? There, there is no in-between. You either... One or the other. You cannot be both. One or the other. Matthew 6.24 says it this way. No man is able to be a servant to two masters. For he will have hate for one and love for the other. Or he will keep to one and have no respect to for the other. You may not be a servant of God and Wealth. The message translation says it this way, or should I say a paraphrase. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you will end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. Now, some of us, maybe in the past, maybe even now, are saying I really don't want to answer that question. I really don't want to deal with that right now. I'm just going to put it off and, and refuse to think about it. But hear me please, right now, every one of us in this room, every one of us are serving one or the other. That's, that's the bottom line. That's the way it is. Right now, you and I are serving one or the other. Well, how, how am I going to know who we're serving? Well, let's see what the Bible says about this. And, and what does it look like to serve Satan? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Awesome passage. 
You can be certain that in the last days there will be some very hard times. Look at this. People will love only themselves and money. Well, we like that money, don't we? They will be proud, stuck up, rude, and disobedient to their parents. They will also be ungrateful, godless. Verse 3 says, they will be heartless and hateful. Their words will be cruel, and they will have no self-control or pity. These people will hate everything that is good. They will be sneaky and reckless and puffed up with pride. Instead of loving God, they will love pleasure. Does that sound like today? Does that look like the world today? Guess when this was written? 67 A.D. Thereabouts. Uh, it's almost like it was written yesterday or last week. I want to go back in, in, into verse 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want to pick out one particular word. There's a bunch of words in here that we can spend a lot of time on. I'm just going to use this one. It said they are heartless and hateful. Hateful. That means they will not forgive. They refuse to forgive others. They want to hold on to those grudges. Now, now in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, and look what it says. 1 John 4 20 says this. I don't think I had that on our thing, but 1 John 4 verse 20. If a man says he loves God, this is Gary's paraphrase, loves God, yet hates his brother, is a liar. A liar. Do you hear what he said there? The man says, I love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Because you cannot hate your brother who you can't see and love the God you can't see. Impossibility. Can't do that. Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 4 talks about what it looks like to serve Satan. And, and hate is part of that. Pretty familiar, isn't it? That's what it looks like to serve Satan. Now, when a person becomes a Christian, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 comes into play. Now look, this is a beautiful thing. God rescued us from the dark power of Satan. Those talked about in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. And brought us in the kingdom of his dear son who forgives us our sins and sets us free. To be set free. Set free from what? What is it? What am I set free of when, when I become a Christian and Christ comes to live in my life? Well, there's another passage that tells about it very plainly. 
2 Timothy 2, verse 25. The Lord's servant must be gentle in teaching others who disagree, and then they will be able to repent. In verse 26, in the King James Version, listen to what it says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. So we've been set free from what? Satan's snare. Satan's noose. Now, I, I don't know if you know what a snare is. In, in my estimation, my mind, I see a, a wire and a, made in a circle. And that wire, once it is, you stick, the animal sticks his head in there, stick their leg in there, and starts pulling it, tightens up and tightens up to a place and it can't get out. Well, that's what the picture is drawn here to be. Satan has a snare around our neck and it becomes a noose who are taken captive by him to do his will. Well, friend, we're either serving one or the other. We're a child of God or a child of Satan. Well now, how do we get out of that snare? How, how do we get out of that noose? How can you and I get out of the snare of Satan so we'll do his will in our life? Very simple. You can't. You heard me, right? You can't by yourself. It's an impossibility on your own. We can't do it. You and I need a Savior. I am not good enough, nor ever will I be good enough. Please don't be offended by what I'm about to say. My friend, you aren't good enough either. We're not good enough to get out of that noose. Jesus told a religious leader that came to him when it was night and Jesus said, you must be born again. Born in the water and the spirit, John chapter 3. To get out of the noose of Satan, this religious leader wanted to get out of that noose. But he realized being a leader in a religion will not save him. No. He was still in that noose. Still in the snare of Satan. A blind Pharisee was told, Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins. Acts 22:16. To get out of the noose of Satan. This blind Pharisee realized, following a bunch of rules of religion, will not save him. Won't save us either. A pagan Roman soldier <clears throat> who was about to commit suicide was told to believe on Lord Jesus Christ and then he was baptized in all his household. Acts 16. To get out of the snare of the devil he was trusting in the world's understanding of life. 
that would not save him and he realized that he came in in front of Paul and Silas in jail there fell down at his knees in front of them and said what must I do I grew up with Jews from all over the world who had come to Jerusalem to worship interrupted Peter's sermon and asked what shall we do and the response was, Peter said, Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts chapter 2. <coughs> to get out of the snare of Satan. Judaism, being a Jew, would not save them. And they were baptized for remission of their sins. A woman... A God-fearing woman. This lady was known for her praying. Now you know what? When I see somebody praying, I love going to restaurants and, and look around and once in a while you see some people bow their heads and pray. You know what my thinking is? Huh. I like those people. Because they love God. But look at this. A God-fearing woman known for her prayer life was baptized. Acts chapter 16. She wanted out of the noose. She realized religion will not save her. And being good will not save her. She was a praying person. Known for her prayer. Wouldn't save her. It won't. We can't save ourselves without a savior some followers of John John the Baptist that is 12 of them in number were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus in Acts chapter 19 they wanted out of Satan's snare Paul said to, hey have you received the spirit they said what are you talking about we've not even heard that there was a spirit and then what were you baptized for? Well, it done the Baptist baptism. And that, and that ought to save us. Uh-uh. Being a follower of John the Baptist will not save us. They wanted to get out of the Satan's snare. They wanted out of that. They wanted out of that. Well, how to get out of the snare? Number one. We believe Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to serve God, to love Him. Must believe that He is, and He is a reward of those who diligently seek Him. King James Version. Got to believe. We have to repent to get out of that snare. Uh, Luke 13, 3 says, Unless you repent, you all likewise perish. Verse 5 says the very same thing. And then, then we go on to the last one, being baptized. Mark 16, 16, Jesus says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be condemned. Now, even though 
I'm not talking out two sides of my mouth here. Please follow me. We can't save ourselves. We need a Savior. But you and I must do something. In Acts 20 verse 40 he says, Save yourself from this untoward, this sinful generation. Man, King James, he's coming up. Uh, we need to save but we must do something you know air we're breathing right now did you have a bill you had paid this this week or this month for air it's free all around it's free but how do we take advantage of it hey, we, better, we better keep on breathing or, or it's free but we gotta do something about it and, and, and somebody buys his coat, especially today. Uh, how are we going to take advantage of that? Well, we're going to put it on and wear it. But I want to talk to you about one of these steps of how to get out of the snare. Repentance. That's our part. This means that I or we have been doing wrong. We are sinners. And I mean believing and trusting in the wrong person or thing in my past life and what I used to think and maybe even now somebody might be doing the same thing. Believing or trusting in something or some person. Repentance means I change my attitude. Repentance means I change my understanding. Uh, even though I might have to eat crow, I wonder where that saying came from. There are nasty birds. I need to humble myself and admit I'm wrong. You are right. I'm wrong. You're right. <clears throat> How many times have we said that? Have we ever said? Part of repentance to become out of that noose, out of that snare of the Satan. And we've got to say, I am wrong. I have been and am in sin. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, there's three things. Number one, quit the sin. I'm doing what I should not do. <coughs> Number two, quit the sin of not doing what I should be doing. James 4.17 says what? He that knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is what? Sin. But number three, I want to focus in on. Number one, stop doing what's wrong. That's pretty obvious. Number two, start doing what's right. You know, we're, we're talking about doing the right things. But number three is where the crux is, in my estimation. And we have entitled it, Give Up Me. Give Up Me. To me, that's the biggest part in the conversion. 
Some of us think, well, I think I'm smart enough to figure this out. I know which way I need to go. Repentance says, okay, God, I want you to lead me now. Look at the mess I've made of my life. I want you, Father, to lead me now. I'm ready to follow you. <coughs> Repentance. And say, I know what you want me to do and not do. And, but you know what will make me happy and fulfilled. Friend, God calls us wherever we are and whatever we are doing just to serve Him. And here's another for, uh, two words. Accountable servants. Just to be an accountable servant. Serving others. Now, we talked about being a child of God and being a child of Satan, one or the other. We talked about how to get out of that snare. But number three, how to stay a child of God. How to stay there. Number one, I am saved. Now that's pretty redundant, isn't it? Not really. Some people have a lot of doubts about that. They struggle with the assurance of salvation. I sure hope God has mercy. Well, friend, let me tell you something. God is mercy. That's not the issue. We need to be, have confidence. And it is still <coughs> faith because we're not in heaven yet. Romans 1.17 says it this way. The good news tells how God accepts everyone who has faith. But only those who have faith. And it's just as the scriptures say, the people God accepts because of their faith will live. 2 Peter 1.9 uh, says there are some people out there that have forgotten how they were made clean from their old sins. I'm convinced of this that our assurance of our salvation has a lot to do with remembering what Christ did. How he saved me. How he died, like B.J. described today. To save me. <coughs> I mean, some people forget about that. Have no memory. Oblivious to the old sinful life has been wiped, that their old sinful life has been wiped off the books. Let me ask you this. Are you sure right now if you were to die where you'd spend eternity? Are you confident right now, right here this morning about your salvation? Friend, we need to be assured. We need to have that confidence and be able to say yes, 
I know I'm not a very good person. I'm a rotten sinner. But I also know I serve a loving God. I serve one that has mercy. Be assured of that. Number two, our saved child of God, I still need forgiveness. First John 1, 8 and 9. If we say we have not sinned, we are fooling ourselves, and the truth is not in our hearts. But if we confess our sins to God, He can always be trusted to forgive us and to take our sins away. Friend, I still need forgiveness every single day of my life. And Arl and I lay in bed at night before we go to sleep. I try. Sometimes I, I fall asleep before that happens, but most of the time, okay? I will pray. Lord, would you please forgive us of our sins? I still need forgiveness. And you know what? You do too. That's how we stay a child of God. Number three. I like this one. I need to enlist. What? Yeah, I need to sign my name to the papers. They enlist me to God's service. Well, what does that mean? Here's the phrase I want you to hone in on. Here we go. <coughs> Take on a people-burdened heart. Take on a people-burdened heart. Well, how are we going to do that? What does that look like? Number one, be concerned about eternal souls. Number two, be concerned about their well-being now. Let me say this. I don't know of a better way to remain a child of God than to take on the purpose of Christ's coming. Seek, save, lost. <coughs> Today we've talked about being a child of God, child of Satan. We're one place or the other. There's no in-between. We also talked about how to get out of the snare of Satan. We talked about how to become a Christian and, and then we talked about how to stay a child of God. I need saved. I am saved, brother. I am still, I still need forgiveness. And number three, I need to enlist. <coughs> Lord willing, next week, <coughs> we will deal with taking on a people-burdened heart. And we'll emphasize more what needs to happen. You and I need to do, you and me need to do, to have a people-burdened heart. I know this has been a simple, old-fashioned sermon. But you know what? This is really what we're here for.
make sure we get to heaven. I don't know where you are in your life. I think I know most of you fairly well. But I can't read your mind, your heart. Are you a child of God or a child of Satan? You're one or the other. Where do we stand before God right now? Thank you for listening. I pray again we may be able to say something and bless your life today. Thanks. Lloyd.